1: This episode is presented by Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have the hilarious David A. Arnold, a 20-year stand-up comedic veteran, sitcom writer, and producer whose Netflix comedy special is out right now called It Ain't for A Week. Coming up, I talked to David about growing up in Cleveland, how much work it really takes to become a successful comic and what it's been like reinventing his comedy on social media. Up next, David A. Arnold. Let's go. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check.
0: Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it?
1: And welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. A show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast, refer a coworker, a family member, a sibling. Allow them the opportunity to get what you're getting each week. That good old fashioned soul food. Give us a five-star rating. Next week is a special episode as well. Number 100, column and podcast. Look forward to having a very special guest next week. And also remember that the Renaissance Man right now is up for two People's Choice Podcast Awards. The categories are Best Black Hosted and Entertainment. These winners will be announced September 30th. And if you happen to be a judge, I appreciate the love. We appreciate the consideration. And thanks for the continued support. This week's theme keep on pushing. This may not be a surprise to you, but in life, there are going to be powerful voices who will tell you in so many words that you're not enough. Family, friends, mentors not black enough, not white enough, not loud enough, not quiet enough. All of that is hard to hear, and it will make anyone feel lost and confused. As you enjoy your Labor Day weekend and this podcast, I want you to know something. September 3rd, 2002, I survived an assassination attempt. I was in a car and the vehicle got shot by a nine millimeter, nine total times. And I'm still here to talk about it. My friend who was in the car with me named Riz from my neighborhood, we're like, we down like four flat tires. The, one of the bullets hit the headrest of the passenger seat, went into his cheek and that bullet. Is still in his neck to this day. So I'm telling you right now, there will be moments that you want to quit, but that's the moment you need to keep on pushing. I did. You can. Because you are enough. You can rise above those negative voices that keep telling you no. You could be hearing them at an audition, a job interview, a tryout, rise above by working harder by exploring a new approach to your craft or just by being unapologetically yourself however you decide to lift yourself out of a dark place and trust me I still hear those bullets ringing in my ears sometimes it's important to be your own biggest cheerleader and keep moving forward because remember Even when there's no gas left in the tank, there's still wheels on the car. And I remember how that car was smoking after it got shot nine times. There was nothing that was gonna stop me from taking my brother to the hospital. My next guest knows all about what it takes to reach your goals. David A. Arnold is a very talented comic, TV writer, and producer who has performed on everything from Comedy Central to BET. Coming up, I'll talk to David A. Arnold about what it's like sharing his life story via his comedy specials. His thoughts on cancel culture and how his comedic heroes like the great Eddie Murphy and Wanda Sykes has influenced his career. Up next, David A. Arnold. I am Jalen Rose and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast proudly presented by the New York Post, a show we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. My next guest is an OG, stand-up veteran, sitcom writer, producer, actor, rose to prominence performing as a regular at the Laugh Factory. I'm almost sure I saw you there. At yes. the Comedy Shore, Store. <laughs> I'm almost sure I saw you there. <laughs> and at the Montreal Comedy Festival. His new Netflix comedy special, It Ain't For The Week, is out right now. It is my honor to welcome the hilarious David A. Arnold. To What's the up, dude? <laughs> podcast.
0: What up, my brother? Man, I'm so excited to sit up here and talk to you because I'm such a fan of all the commentary and every every time you pop up on my TikTok and you no. talking, to, I'm like, let me hear I got to hear what he got to say, because no, I know it's about, to be, it's about to be something, man it's good to see you, dude
1: good, good to see you too, and the feeling is mutual and I appreciate you taking the time to join me, I know you got some major things happening but I have yeah. to ask you I know you in LA yep. um, keep getting them checks, but you grew yes. up in Cleveland born and raised, absolutely and raised. so at what point did you know that comedy was something you wanted to pursue? The Well, the first time I was introduced to stand-up, I was probably like
0: 10 when I saw Eddie Murphy do Raw. And, mm. no, Delirious in that red suit. Mm. And I didn't know that it was something you could do. I just saw somebody in my TV making my mother and aunts laugh the way they was laughing. I'm like, these people normally be cussing me out. I ain't never seen these people laugh in my life. Anybody who can make these angry black women laugh like this, I need to know what's going on. So I just saw this guy in the TV telling stories. And, you know, we were sneaking, and listen to Richard Pryor and Bill Cosby, but I never connected it to something I could do. You know what I mean? Because I lived in Cleveland and it was till... I was probably about 18 and I was like, oh, I can go down to a comedy club, went down there, bombed and <laughs> never went back again. Like it ain't. Let me tell you something. It, it, people don't know when you do a stand to that heat, get on your ass. And you realize <laughs> that it ain't working out the way you thought it was in your head. I, when I tell you, I didn't come back. I didn't come back for four years after that. I was like, I don't want none of this.
1: And then Uh I started
0: at like, I saw DL Hughley. I was in the military, saw DL Hughley do a stand up special. And I went, I think I can do this. And I started doing open mics. And when I got out of the Navy, I just started traveling and finding places to work. And the next thing you know, man, I
1: don't know, I was a comedian. You're extremely funny and talented. And I've been a fan for a long time. So I have to ask you because there are so many people. That look like us that want to be in entertainment, that want to be in sports, but they don't necessarily know until we teach them the time, the energy, and the sacrifices that goes into actually what you do. So, for example, if you're going to go do a stand-up show, what is the time, what is the preparation that actually goes into what we see as the final product?
0: Well, you know, like, this is my second Netflix special right i released one in 2020 called Fat Ballerina and then uh pandemic happened then i started going out to work on it ain't for the week and every time i go out to work i it's a couple of years like you know it's a couple like i went out on the road and i did a 30 city tour before i filmed it ain't for the week i went out you know and you know, some cities we do comedy clubs, you do five shows of uh, five shows a weekend, mm-hmm. and I'm on stage an hour, hour, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So you run this set by the time I film, I run this set a hundred times before mm-hmm. I put it up. But what people don't also realize is some of this material, some of this stuff, like if you sell me back at the laugh factory, the comedy store back in the day, some of these jokes and material we will put in the incubator for years mm-hmm. and get them ready, like mm-hmm. years. So I I I my process is have an idea, get on stage, develop it, tell it again. It's Dude, it's like working out. When you're working out, when you're balling mm-hmm. and yep. you're conditioning and yep. you know I need to get that step, I need to get that mm-hmm. first step, got to be quicker, mm-hmm. my left yep. hand got to be stronger, yep. you go left, you go left, yep. you go left, you go left. Like that's what you do. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with stand-up, man. You do that shit until – can I cuss? Mm-hmm. You do that Absolutely. until – Okay, yes. you do that you do that again and again and again until it's rock solid, man.
1: Absolutely. And so I have to ask you cuz you brought it up. And before we started this interview, I was joking with my producer about yeah. bombing because yes. to me, I've had multiple comedians on this show. Yeah. And to yes, me, the toughest thing to do is entertain a room full of people that you don't know. Yes, like, like that's the toughest thing for me to do. So, yes. give me an example of how a comedian bombs in front of an audience.
0: Oh man, you let me tell you, bombing is like getting knocked out in the ring in front of like if, if you if you had a friend that was a boxer and his ass got knocked out and you driving <laughs> off together, you you just stare at him. You just be like, you ain't you ain't, you ain't, you ain't, see that left coming at all. You didn't, your trainer didn't help you with the left. You didn't see none of that. And it's just silence. On the Like, I, I'll tell you, i tell you a bombing story. I was performing in San Diego at a theater called fourth and B 3000 people. Literally, I'm supposed to be headlining the next week. I go down there the week before just to get a feel of the crowd. My boy is on the show. I'm going to watch. See what's going on. Host was like, you here? you might as well go out and do a little five minute set. Since you here. you get a feel of what's going to be next week when you come to headline. I go out there and do some shit that was that these black people was not having. And three minutes, three minutes into it. I don't know if you <laughs> ever been booed by 2,000 people, but that the is. wind from the boos blow you off the stage. Yes, Like There is nothing like 3,000 people all at once agreeing at the same time that you not shit. and then when, when I tell you, Jalen, when I tell you I was done, I walked off the stage and the woman was like, the host was like, what, what, what are you doing? You got five more minutes. I'm like, I'm not going back out there. I'm canceling the show next week, right? Because this is the crazy part. When you leave the show, mm-hmm. they give you flyers for the show for next week. Ooh. My picture is on the flyer. Ooh. So they get in the flyer. they going, listen, f- we just, bro, we're not <laughs> I man, I left that theater. It was flyers all on the ground outside the theater with my face on it. And I sat in my car for two and a half hours going, what happened? Mm-hmm. And I called my boy. I said, I'm not doing the show. He said, you got to go back and do the show because if you want to be a comedian, you got to face all these obstacles. You got to see right. You got to, you're going to see them again. It's like when you, it's like how you talk about when you played against Jordan, Correct. I'm going to see him again. Correct. He coming back. And that's what it was like. So I just rewrote my set, went back the next week and murdered. And an old lady walked up to me after the show and said, baby, we was here, I was here last week when we booed your ass. Wow. She, and I said, we, huh? I said, you probably the one want to start that shit. Right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. But, but she was like, you came back and you redeemed yourself. And that's when I realized that's how you know if you're a comedian. You mm-hmm. got to feel it. You got to, you got to bomb. You got to mm-hmm. take it in the face and you still got to mm-hmm. want to do it.
1: You know what Correct. I mean? Correct. So, but what didn't get lost And what you just said to me, and this is Mm -hmm. what I want to highlight the audience, there were still days in between when you bombed and when you crushed it. Yes. That's what I need to talk about. The perseverance, the discipline, how you wanted to look yourself in the mirror and still see like somebody that can pick themselves up off after they got knocked out and still perform the next week. It's so dope that you say that. That let me tell you something. That's why I call my stand-up special It Ain't for
0: the week. The reason I named it this is because it I in this stand-up special, I talk about having you got two daughters. I know you got mm-hmm. two daughters. Yeah, it talks it talks about raising kids, it yep. talks about being married, it talks about me overcoming mm-hmm. my drug addiction and standing this fight of this stand-up business. Absolutely. It ain't I perseverance is something you got anything you want to do. It's, that's worthwhile, it's supposed to be hard. I mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've been told no in this business. I've mm-hmm. been told by, that I'm not black enough. I don't mm-hmm. look like what a black man looked like. So mm-hmm. they fired me. I've been told, oh, you're not the one. I've been told this so many times in the 25 years I've been in LA that I'm not the one, I'm not this, I'm not that. The perseverance that it takes to believe in a dream that you came up with when you were eight yes. in your bedroom yes you can't mm-hmm. let nobody take that Correct. from you. And Correct. that is what I've learned from doing standup. Like mm-hmm. just, man, I, pe- I've i been through it. And now mm-hmm. everybody's like, Like, the special is doing so well. And everybody's Killing hitting it. me up like, they're Crush like, where you, dude, where you come from? How come I ain't never seen you? And I'm like, you see me when you're supposed to. And mm-hmm. when you see me, I'm at my best. And what people don't realize though, is I got so much material that ain't this <laughs> thing. Like I'm doing like, like I'm on tour right now. I'm, I'm doing a new tour yes. called Pace Yourself. We already doing 30 cities between now and the end of the year. And I ain't doing mm-hmm. none of that material that's out on mm-hmm. Netflix right now. None mm-hmm. of it. I ain't done none of these jokes since the night I recorded this because I'm on to the next. I've been working mm-hmm. and I persevere through
1: all of this shit, man. And that's and having fun while I'm doing it the discipline and the perseverance are things that people have to pay attention to before they appreciate the talent. And so like for you overcoming drug addictions, overcome bombing, having now a Netflix show, it ain't for the week. Like yeah. talk to me about like being a veteran and having to reinvent yourself because that's what we have to do. Wow. You know, it's so funny. It's so
0: funny you say that because I remember a few years back, you know, when it was, I remember when it was, oh, go to the comedy club, do seven minutes, production network see you, and they go, let's give this guy a show. When they mm-hmm. were doing, that's how uh-huh. they did Roseanne, Seinfeld, uh-huh. Everybody Loves Raymond, yep. King of Queen. Gu- like, that yep. was in the 90s. All that shit yep. happened, actually, before I even started doing this, mm-hmm. right? By the time I came to LA, they was on to a whole new way of doing shows. Mm-hmm. Then came social media. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you got these social media Comedians, if you will, popping yep. up, and yep. they they got millions of followers, making yep. videos in they yep. in their kitchen, yep. right, and selling out clubs. Mm-hmm. So I realized, wait, the game then changed again. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a veteran, but this new thing is social media. So right during the time when they told me a network, B T told me I wasn't black enough and I was not marketable. Right, that's what they told. I never forget this. I was in the middle of developing a show with Kevin Hart, and I was in. We were doing the show, and they said the regime switched. And they said I wasn't marketable. I wasn't black enough. I didn't look like what a black man looked like. My, their audience wouldn't buy me. Mm-hmm. So when I tell you I was crushed, mm-hmm. and I'm tell you what I did, I sat on that couch for about a month, and my wife was like, "You can't sit there no more. You got to get mm-hmm. your ass up and keep pushing." Right, and I knew when they said I wasn't marketable, I knew everybody was starting to get gain traction with these videos so i picked up my cell phone and i started posting videos and little comedic rants stand up that i had been doing 15 years ago that nobody saw i started putting it in the phone one minute Mm -hmm. at a time and I started posting videos with my wife and my kids. I started ranting about what it's like to raise teenage daughters with a wife that's always in your goddamn ear, and everybody try to act like you crazy, but you are the one paying the bills. But don't nobody want to hear the shit I gotta say. So I just started, I just started going off. I was like, I can't. I, I, I would shoot videos from sitting in my car, waiting for everybody in the house to go to sleep, so I could go in the house with some goddamn peace. And the next thing you know, this shit took off. It took off, and I went from zero followers to over a million on all these platforms. My Facebook page has now been translated into five different languages in five different countries, because I'm talking about white kids being being in a relationship, trying to run a household, Uh trying to serve, and it just (laughs) took off. And Jay, it's so crazy. That. People would say to me, even Haha ha Davis, um, uh, uh-huh. King Batch, all yeah. my boys, they would hit me be like, you the oldest nigga I know to go viral every week. <laughs> Correct. Every week. <laughs> they like, this shit you do, ain't nobody doing this shit. You got yep. your wife and kids in here. That's and man, dope. it just took off and it reinvented me. So when I released my first special at Ballerina in 2020, my social media platform helped launch it because I had mm. built it. And then my celebrity friends, you know, uh, 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 Kevin Hart, who's the executive mm-hmm. producer of both my specials. Dope. Kev posted it, Sad posted Dope. it, DL posted it. Dope. This time, Chris Rock posted it. Like Dope. everybody's. Uh, Dion Cole. Dion just called me right now while we're on the phone. Dope. Dope. And it's it's amazing when your peers start to recognize your hustle, and it's just elevated
1: to something, man. That I'm I'm ready for. It's just it's my turn, dude. For everybody that wants to get into sports and wants to get into entertainment, like I want you to just like literally gravitate to what he's saying. Like he's yeah. talking about a sacrifice, a discipline. He's talking about reinventing himself. Like, ha-ha, Dave, that's my brother. I'm yeah. in Detroit doing this show right now. And fire. I saw how he transformed his body, how he yes. transformed everything in his life. And a lot of people don't know, like the woman that's in his videos, that's his wifey. Exactly. That's the same. Exactly. They don't
0: know. You know, he, you know he's what I mean? His so, life. like,
1: yes. So, so, like, so, so, what ends up happening is, is, is your point is a consciousness, it's a relevancy, but also having quality people around you. Like, your wifey has yes. to be in on it. Your kids yes. have to be in on it. They have the to vision. understand it. Yes, because so many times as a comic, and that's what I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. It's like the game has changed like you're a veteran in the game yeah. like there's the cancel culture there's things you can't say yeah people in your family that don't want you to reference them there are yes. people in your family like so how do you manage reinventing yourself with all of these voices you know what's so funny I went through a thing
0: I did a bit in my first stand-up special fat ballerine where I talk about how I found out at 17 that who I thought was my dad who raised me was not my biological father. And I tell the story of going to meet my biological father who was on drugs and who was a, an addict wow. at one point was a very famous, uh, uh radio disc jockey in Cleveland, Ohio. Wow. And it's a very serious moment that I do on, in fat ballerina. And I remember when I first started working on this bit 10 years before, my dad who i who i consider my dad adopted me at six months mm-hmm. he's in the documentary portion of this new stand-up special mm-hmm. i got coming out that's out mm-hmm. now and he said to me my mom was like dad your dad i was in cleveland performing at the improv and my and i did the joke and i was just working it out and my mom came up to me and was like your dad is a little upset that you did that mm-hmm. joke about him not being your biological father so i talked to my dad and i was like dad mom said you upset he was like yeah you know. I didn't expect you to do the joke. You know, I have friends in the audience and I work mm-hmm. with yada. And I said, well, let me ask you a question then. I said, did anything I say on stage and in that story, was any of it a lie? Mm-hmm. And he said, no. He said, none of it was a lie. I said, I'm going to do the joke. I mm-hmm. said, because one of the things that I have the right to is my story. Mm-hmm. And this is my story. And I said, and the truth of the matter is I wrote the joke in a way where I lift my dad up and I let you know that making a baby Don't make you a father Mm -hmm. doing what my dad does, doing what Eddie Arnold does for me, which is adopted me. Even after Mm -hmm. my parents got divorced, he Mm -hmm. still paid child support for me. Mm -hmm. He took care. He showed me what a father is. Mm -hmm. And that's what I talk about in that special fat ballerina. And I go further, deeper into it Mm -hmm. with my grandfather and my stepfather in it ain't for the weak. Mm-hmm. I just so like I, I've navigated all of this stuff because as you when you perform and, and you start to do what you want to do, the people closest to you can be the most challenging sometimes. Correct, correct. And they don't even they don't even recognize that. So you gotta stand strong in your vision for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because so you can't be a comedian and be, oh, I can't say that because my wife don't like that joke. Man, right. fuck that we are <laughs> right. doing my jokes. Correct. Exactly. My story. Right. I can tell my I have the right to my story, yes. and that's the same thing that I dealt with with cancel culture, you know, know, transgender and gay and all these things. I tell stories and I have a joke that's in my special right now that some people thought was a little controversial, but I'm like, Hey, it's it's about me getting off drugs. And I was like, I I have the right to my story. Mm -hmm. I, I you can't tell me what I can say because this is my journey. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that has resonated with my fans and the new fans that I've picked up in the last week. The twenty thousand people that started following me in mm. the last five days—like, mm, it's—they're like, "Dude, how can I? How did I? How did I miss you? How did mm-hmm. I?" Like, in the stories you're telling are my stories, mm-hmm. and that's all I wanted to do. I want people to feel that when they watch the special.
1: So there are certain artists, like in music. Where well, I have, mm-hmm. I feel like they have great punchlines, or they're like mm-hmm. when you're watching gymnastics, you say "stick the landing." To me, right. respectfully, like I love that about you. I feel like, I feel like your exclamation points are always on point. Right. So Thank I have, man. so so I have to like acknowledge that. But the other thing I want to say is being a fan of the industry and of the game, like, what right. are some of your favorite stand ups? So, if I had uh-huh. to ask you, like, you mentioned Eddie Murphy earlier, and I'll give mm. you a chance to take a deep breath and think about it. <laughs> you had to acknowledge your, because for me, and correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. The greatest comedians have the best stand ups. Yes. I right. Thi- Yes, I, well, I think it
0: goes for me, it goes one step further than that. Okay. It's not just the best stand-ups, it's the best body of work
1: over Correct. a period
0: of time.
1: and when you but, 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 but when you when you breaking them down, yeah, their movies, their their accolades, you you still have to point like you did to Eddie Murphy to like a stand-up that they did. yeah, he had one of the best to me, delirious
0: was one of the best stand-up sets I've ever seen in my life correct it was so it was um, unbelievable
1: so give me five you said delirious and editing give me your five favorite stand-ups wow
0: um stand-up specials or stand-up comedians either one okay so eddie would definitely be one because of what he did richard pryor would be one mm. because of what he's done bill cosby would be one because of the way nobody told a story like him mm-hmm. then i would move to people like. Um, Oh man, DL Hughley, I picked because mm-hmm. DL Hughley is one of the people that made me think and feel mm-hmm. like I could do this. Jerry Seinfeld mm-hmm. is another stand-up that is just his his use of words and his mechanics in the word use. He's a wordsmith. Nobody to me does that. Jim Gathigan is unbelievable because Jim can take anything and stand in it and just, just get meat off a bone that I didn't think was there. Wanda Sykes was a woman who came and just started. I remember seeing Wanda going, damn, she doing, she talking about everything. She, I mean, she don't leave one piece of Mm -hmm. nothing unturned. Like, and that is like, those are the people that, that jump out at me immediately and go these are the people that I would watch I mean I could keep going down a list of other mm-hmm. people that I know because I'm inside but like mm-hmm. right off the bat when you ask me those are the people that really when they're doing something I stop and watch mm-hmm. because absolutely. I need I need you know I I,
1: I know I'm gonna see some good shit absolutely and it ain't for the week is out right now make sure y'all support that and I appreciate you acknowledging your stepfather that's that, that's like Really honorable. And but I have to also ask you this comedy has changed over the years, and you're a seasoned yeah. veteran. Yeah. And there are things that in music and art that used to be said that wasn't yeah. considered offensive, that yeah. now a lot of those things are considered offensive. Like I was just listening to Biggie the other day. He was like, I love you so much, I'll suck on you. And I was like, Oh, like you Bro, can't say sorry. that now. Right, right, right.
0: It'll be taking a whole different kind of, yeah.
1: Correct. So like, what has it been like for you to like understand that that change has taken place? You know what?
0: Especially because social media, everybody has a voice now. Everybody got a phone. So you can. everybody can, every single thought that runs through everybody's head, they can put up on the Internet and just start firing off whatever they think. What I've learned is, like I said, there's a couple of jokes in my special right now that people have taken and tried to be offended by it. Oh, that means that you, you, you know, this is homophobic. And I'm like, this ain't got nothing to do with, like, I, this is how I feel. I stand in the things that I say. The things that Mm -hmm. I say are about my personal experience. And I have the, and again, I have the right to tell my stories. So anything I say that people come for, I'm standing in a position to defend it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I'm not gonna say no, no off the cuff crazy shit just Correct. to get Because some comedians and some people say it just to start. Shit. Correct. They don't even really believe what they're saying. They mm-hmm. just say it off the. If I'm putting something out there, that's especially in one of my specials, I'm yeah. saying shit that I believe that I've experienced. Right. So I've learned to and some shit I don't talk about because I don't care about. Yes, I I I I voted. I got I have feelings on politics. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to. Do that. That's some people. That's DL. That's, you know, Mm -hmm. that's other people who really want to put that out there. That Mm -hmm. dude, that's Bill Maher. They do that. John Stewart. I -hmm. don't care enough about politics to be putting that shit out. I don't give a shit about that. My job is to talk to you on a human level. I want to talk about your life. I want (laughs) to talk about these raggedy ass kids that we're raising. (laughs) I want to talk about these, these families we're trying to navigate. That is what, to me, everybody. Can connect on. Yep. And that's what I talk about because that's what means the most to me.
1: Absolutely. And again, I appreciate you taking the time. It's an honor to have you on the show. And I have so to sad. ask you one final question before I get into my gone to 60 seconds. All right. So your stand up is coming out. It ain't yeah. for the week. And you reference yeah. two things. And I'm a yeah. listener. So okay. you referenced your drug use. Yes. And you referenced homophobia. Yes. So if you don't mind, can you share one of those jokes? Well, the joke about the joke that I said, the
0: joke and the drug use is all in the same. It's about where my mind went when you get addicted to drugs and how far your mind will take you. I don't want to tell you the joke because I don't want to kill it for the people who go see it, but it's not homophobic at all. It was somebody who tried to read into it to see. And then of course he was like, does that homophobic? And like, 500 people jumped on his ass on my, on my social media line. But right. I do talk about being on drugs. I talk about, I wasn't good at it. I was lazy. You know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't good at stealing. Shit. I wasn't good at, you know, you on drugs. You got to be up all hours of the night. You got to be willing to take TVs down the street and pawn them. And shit. I ain't got time for it. I was like, this drug, this, this drug addiction shit is too much. I, I was too lazy to be a good drug addict, I just gave up. You know what I mean? Like, I just at one point I went, I, and nobody ever thought I was on drugs. I always looked like an undercover cop. Was like this five oh. I'm like, I'm not selling you shit. I was like, this is way too much work. I'm not supposed to be doing this. God don't want me doing this. So I'm gonna put this little, I'm gonna put this little cocaine down and go sit my ass down somewhere because this ain't for me. <laughs>
1: Oh man, <laughs> <And that's... laughs> that that is hilarious! And by the way, like we're so very grateful, David A. Arnold, that you did turn around your decision making, you did yeah. turn around your life, and Bro. I wasn't joking. When it comes to sticking the landing, Thank like you, you a goat at that in the game. Thank like you, I man. really I pay attention, that. and it's an honor really to have you that. on the show. But before I let you get out of here, I got a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds, presented by Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. You ready to do this? Let's do it. All right. What city would you say has the best stand-up audiences? Ooh, New York. The worst stand-up audiences?
0: Anywhere in the middle of the country. (laughs) Anywhere anywhere in the middle
1: Montana. preach <laughs> preach and preach what is your i know you're from cleveland but i gotta ask you about la because la writing you some checks right now what is yeah. your favorite la food spot
0: oh man i remember at one point it was roscoe's
1: now Ooh. it's probably mastro's yes yes. <laughs> the progression the progression I exactly. get it. I get it. Chicken and waffles to everything on the menu cost at least $500. I exactly. love it. Yes. So oh what, my god. Who are your favorite comedy heroes? I would probably say
0: Richard Pryor, Jerry Seinfeld, Bill Cosby. Mm. Um and like I said, uh Wanda Sykes is somebody that I I really appreciate.
1: I love all of them, and thank you for shouting out Wanda. She's so slept on, so underrated. And so DL, fire. and DL, DL. Is, DL. I'm, I'm, I'm DL is king of I comedy. Take, yes, DL I was on tour top. with them. sed has been on this show. Yes. I love Steve Harvey, like all yes. of that. You yes. know what I'm saying? Thank you for yes. giving DL his props. He's so slept on. And last <laughs> but certainly not least, what part of your new comedy special are you most excited? For people to see,
0: my grand when I when I channel and imitate my grandfather talking about me and my journey as a child, it's dead in the middle of the set, and it's a moment that really comes through me, and it and it,
1: it, it in, in that moment,
0: I get an opportunity to tell my grandfather, thank you for everything that he's that he's given and show me.
1: Yeah, that's the moment. I can't, I can't wait to digest that because I love and miss my grandfather so very much. You, Jay, you're gonna dude. I'm telling
0: you right now, and I'm telling everybody this. I, mean, I know a lot of people probably just seeing me for the first time in your life. And just so people know, I always tell people this, I've been making you laugh for years. They Correct. didn't know because I've been writing and producing television for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm. I wrote,
0: I wrote, um, I wrote House of Pain to meet the Browns for Tyler Perry. I wrote Real Husbands of Hollywood for Kevin mm-hmm. Hart. I produced Fuller House on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I now have a TV show called That Girl Lele that's Mm -hmm. on Nickelodeon and Netflix. Mm -hmm. It makes me only the sixth black man in the history of television to create and show run my own show. You know what I mean? I've been doing this for a long time. I've been writing and producing. And now with this new special, people are starting to get a chance to see me. I tell people I'm going on tour. If you Mm -hmm. go to davidarnold.com, you can see where my tickets are. Come to the show. If I don't make you laugh, I will give you your money back. I tell people this all the
1: time. I'm not around. (laughs) I I will tell you this. You will not have to give any refunds. I haven't so far. (laughs) And and I'm going to make sure I come support you. And I appreciate you for supporting me. Thank you very much for joining the
0: show. Thank you so much for having me, Jay. Last
1: call. Last call i like to thank David A. Arnold for stopping by the podcast. I've been a huge fan of his for a long time. And I admire how raw and honest he can be in his interviews as well as his comedy. One thing that stuck out to me about David is he made sure to acknowledge his stepfather in his comedy specials. David found out the father that he grew up with was not actually his biological father. And as somebody who never met his biological father and never called anyone stepdad, I know that he had to really open up to want to share that story about his life. And he took the opportunity to share what a man like Eddie Arnold taught him about fatherhood, that it takes more than creating a child to consider yourself a dad. It takes showing up and being present. It was honorable that David was able to acknowledge Eddie and all that he did for him growing up. So I ask you the personal question. Who is that person in your life that always shows up? Is it a friend, a coworker, your parents, other siblings? Be around those that support your dreams, your ambitions, your future. Go places that you're celebrated, not just where you're tolerated. Those are the people that matter. Those are the ones who deserve a seat at the table in your life. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.